Hello and welcome to episode 132 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Joining me on today's episode is the actor Dio Okiini. We get to sit down and talk all about his acting career to date. He really is only just starting in his career and honestly to know the story behind how he's got to where he is at this point and the future he has ahead of him is absolutely inspiring so that interview will be coming up with you very very soon. But in true typical Mark and Me fashion let's quickly touch base and talk about the last episode. I was joined by the beautiful Gillian White. We got to sit and talk all about her acting career, what it was like to work with people like Quentin Tarantino and much more. It was a great interview, really positive, and a massive thank you for everyone that tuned in and the amazing tweets and the feedback I got on Facebook and Instagram, again, was beautiful, so thanks so much for that. But let's get back to today's episode. I'm joined by Dayo Okiini. We get to sit and talk about his first ever proper acting role in The Hunger Games, Terminator Genesis, what it was like to work with people like Arnold Schwarzenegger, He's got some incredible new projects which he kind of hints at but we don't get the full info but I know he's going to be very busy over the next couple of years and his brand new movie which I've been lucky enough to see Emperor which is out now on DVD and is outstanding and if you stick around to the end of today's episode you'll find out how to win a copy of this on DVD but I think the best thing to do is get to the interview now so here's me and Dio talking all things film. So Dio thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. What I want to do is there'll be listeners out there today that have seen you in certain roles, but I want to take it back to right at the very start. And Mm. at what age was it that you fell in love with film? Was it a very young age growing up? Absolutely. You know, it's so funny. um, Obviously, judging by my rough, tough exterior, you would not imagine that I grew up in Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals. But yes, (laughs) that was my (laughs) was my early start into film. Um, it was really my, I want to say my, my mother, my, my mother was, she loved musicals growing up and, and when she was growing up. And so all those classical musicals, uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein, whether it was Carousel or, you know, King and I and Sound of Music and South Pacific, like I grew up on all those, like the VHS tapes, we would just bleed those until they snapped in the machine, you know? And so I grew up watching stuff like that, but then my dad was a different type of cinephile, like my father. <laughs> My dad loved like the Lethal Weapon movies and he loved The Godfather and, uh, you know, gangster movies like Once Upon a Time in America, which were very extremely rated R. Yeah. But he would sneak off and I would watch it with him and my mom wouldn't know that we'd be watching these movies. And I'd be watching people do all kinds of crazy stuff like drugs and, you know, strippers and crazy things like that. My, but my dad didn't care. He just I'm his only son. So he kind of, yeah. you know, he wanted to have that experience with somebody. So. Um, so, yeah, I, I love film. I always love film. But in terms of being an actor, that didn't come till a lot later in life, um, till probably till college, actually. Yeah. Uh, even though I did plays in high school and, you know, I definitely did theater when I got to college, but it was extremely elective. But the, the idea to, oh, let me try and really give this thing a shot wasn't until my senior year of college. Uh, university. As British folks, it's yeah, those guys say. And was there, was there certain actors that you were watching that made you fall in love with the idea? Because everyone growing up wants to be a superhero or a footballer <laughs> right. or a, a musician or a rock star. But was there a certain actor that you were watching their work? Because I mean, you told me that your mum's encouraging you to watch stuff like Sound and Music and all the musicals. Yeah. But your dad's sitting there saying. <laughs> Mel Gibson and Lethal Weapon. You know, there's such a contrast. What was this? Yeah. Is that you were thinking? 
I really want to be like this person. I really right. want to do acting. Right. I mean, there were there were people from both spectrums, you know, from yeah. from the from the Rogers and Hammerstein era, Yul Brenner. Yeah, Yul Brenner yeah. to me Incredible. was just which is so funny because later in life, when I found out he was like five one or five two, like he was a little guy, I was like, no way, because he just had such an incredible presence, you know, yeah. and his voice and his cadence. He just commanded the screen, and and he's definitely one of those, you know, actors from a bygone era that I I still look to today um, for inspiration. And you know, Christopher Plummer, who just passed away, obviously from the sound of sound yeah. of music uh, movie, and later on in life too. I mean, his career. It's so funny. He just. He just got hotter as the older he got. You know, he got into his 80s and he was in the prime of his career, as you yeah. say. So it was, it was guys like that, you know. And then later on in life, I mean, discovering, you know, Denzel Washington was a huge influence on me and love Josh Brolin, you know. He's Josh Brolin is another one of those guys, like, he's he's hot now. But I remember, like, when I signed with my managers, like, years ago, this was before the, 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 the Brolin yeah. renaissance. Um, I remember signing with them. They were like, "Dio, who do you, whose career do you like, and whose career do you emulate?" And I remember I was like, "I was like Josh Brolin." And my manager at the time, he's no longer my manager, was like, "Really? He's boring." <laughs> <laughs> wow. But I was like, "I love him. I think he's. I think he's. I thought he was so underrated for so many years. So I'm. I'm so happy that you know. Of course, as soon as No Country for Old Men came out, yeah, you know, the whole world caught up with him. So yeah, I just I, I love. I love a lot of different things and a lot of different actors, you know, Jim Parsons on big bang theory is like another type of acting that I just think is genius yeah. on another level. And then of course you got your Benedict Cumberbatch on another level. So yeah, I love, I genuinely love film and I love actors and I love performance and I love behavior. And so different actors really excite me. Yeah. Even like there's this actor Manish uh, Dial. Manish is an actor. I saw, <laughs> I saw Manish on a commercial for uh, it was like the Homewood Suites. It's a it's a, a American chain of like um, extended stay hotels. And I was like, this guy is tremendous. This actor is amazing. He had like one line in the commercial. And I remember a friend of mine and I went to some Hollywood party and we ran into him there. He was with his fiance. I think they're married right now. And we were literally starstruck. We're like, oh my God, it's the guy from the Homewood Suites commercial, <laughs> right? And we literally walked up to him and we said his one line from the commercial to him at this like Hollywood, random Hollywood party. And he was so thrown back by it. He was like, no freaking way. I've got fans from a commercial. I was like, dude, you really do. Like whenever your commercial comes out, we get excited. So I, I, I truly love performers and I'm always watching. I'm always, you know, seeing what I can, you know, the, the, I think it's like the famous Meisner thing, steal, steal, steal. Yeah. I'm always watching everything and seeing what I could, you know, gain inspiration from or steal from here and there. And um, so, yeah, shout out to Manish. He's on a great show called, I think it's called The Residence right now. Great Ooh. TV show. So he's doing pretty well from his uh, commercial days. That one line. Um, seems to... That one line. Yeah. I'm telling you, it made the difference for him. So, yeah, I love everything and anything. You know, it's just acting is acting is acting is acting. You know, whether you're deeply committed um, method actor or you know you just just have that god-given gift from birth that you're just affable and the screen just loves you this is some stuff you can't teach so i love it all and during those yeah. college days when you were then deciding this is what i want to do and it wasn't just a dream it became reality was your mother and father very supportive or were they like come on son you need to get a proper job <laughs> you might not get it you might not make yeah. it you probably want to go and do law or something boring in case yeah. you know or they like yeah. Just run with it, son. We trust in you. Yeah, no, I have I have very African parents. Okay, my, my father's Nigerian. My mother is Kenyan. So 
we come from the doctrine of lawyer, doctor, you know, yeah. uh, business finance or engineer of some kind. But my parents were my parents were the odd ones. You know, they yeah. they were very much like, you know, we want obviously we want you to do something with your life that can sustain you. We don't want our, our kids on the streets, you know, yeah. and and but they also knew I had this love for acting. And and I think they also were supportive because I didn't, I wasn't frivolous with my dreams. You know, I, I kind of had a very pragmatic approach as to how I wanted to attempt to try right after college. Like I went to school, you know, they were like, listen, just get a degree, just get a yeah. degree in something. And then you can go do whatever you want with your life. But if it doesn't work out, at least you have something to fall back on, which even yeah. as at a young age, I thought was smart. You know, I was yeah. one of those kids like, oh, my parents don't want me to live my dream. No, I was like, you guys are right. So I, I went to college, I got a degree yeah. and then, um, the dispute was in my mind, I'm like, it's going to take at least five to seven years to at least become a working actor, let alone maybe becoming a star or something. Yeah. But my parents are like, no, you get one year. <laughs> wow. Go, go try and chase it for one year. So the clock was, was ticking. And, and, you know, a year to a year to the date, when I moved out to LA, I booked the hunger games, which still is the craziest yeah. event of my life. Um, that a year from moving to LA, I'm flying over to North Carolina and I'm literally, I land, get in the hotel. They're like, we need you on set for a little stunt rehearsal. And I'm looking Jennifer Lawrence in the eyeballs rehearsing the scene. And I just had this weird out of body experience. Like, oh my God, like it kind of happened in a year, which is so, and I know it doesn't happen like that for people. No. I'm so aware of that and how lucky that was. And it was such a, it was such a crazy, chaotic, big start. Like that was my first film that luckily I became a working actor off of that alone. It's, it's so, so surreal, even still talking about it till today. It is insane. Like you did two shorts. The next thing you know, within 12 months, yeah. it's just nearly, it's nearly 10 years ago now. And then you went off and did the hunger games. And it, it is insane. Like I talked to a lot yeah. of actors and it's such a uphill struggle of 10 or 15 yeah. years, theater productions, lots of shorts some television work. But it was like, you must've been pinching yourself when you got there thinking, fucking hell, is this real? Absolutely. Yeah. That literally every single day I was like, I had, I had no, I had literally no real on set experience. The two shorts that I had done prior to that, uh, <laughs> Slew Hampshire and Lion, Lions Among Men. And then I did like a little extra and some other thing. I forget the name of what it was right now, but I like they were eyes to see. Um, yeah. Eyes to see. Wow. You did your research. I love it. Um, the, <laughs> They were, I used to see I was on that set for maybe five hours and then yeah. I was, I was gone. And then Lions Among Men and, and Slew Hampshire were both student thesis films. So I basically just stalked students at USC and Dodge College of Film in LA and UCLA. Can I be in your film? Can I be in your thesis film? I'm trying to put together a reel. And the thing is you get to meet young filmmakers that are excited and, and, and are not jaded yet. You know, they, they're very hungry about film. And so yeah. those were experiences that I was able to, to get from just really hounding people, just trying to put together some sort of a reel to get a manager or agent of some kind, which is crazy because my manager, who's still my manager today, till today, Connie Kasui, when she met with me all those years back then, I met her through a series of serendipitous events from going to acting classes and she had me come into her office to meet with her. She never looked at my reel or my resume. Like oh. I sat down and I spoke to her, like I'm talking to you right now. Yeah. And I had, you know, I had <laughs> Slew Hampshire 
and lines among men ready to show her some, some what I could do. She never looked at it. She never looked at my headshot. We just spoke and she was like, I like you. Let's see what you, how you do. There's this thing called the hunger games. Um, you're not going to get it. Uh, but we want you to go in and you're not going to get it, but we want you to go in and we know Deborah Zane, the casting director. We want to see, you know, if you're green in the, did we mention you're not going to, okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, cool. So it was really, that audition was really more of them trying to see, can this guy go out and, and go into the room and you yeah. know, can he deal with material? What's, what's he like? Cause being an actor is different from being an auditioner. They're, they're, yeah. You know, it's a completely different skill set, And, um, yeah, that one tape I did for Deborah Zane for Hunger Games just went up the chain at all the producers and eventually Gary Ross. And yeah, he cast me off that tape. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I wasn't even in the Screen Actors Guild Union. I didn't have my SAG card. They're like, oh, we'll take care of all that stuff. And then, you know, I, I, I flew to North Carolina and they gave me my per diem. And I was like, is this my, is this my paycheck? Is this how you guys pay? No, no, no. That's just money for food for the day. I, I, I was so clueless, dude. So freaking clueless. So, yeah. It was a crazy. That's very good experience. though. You probably come across as really humble and just kind of that's nice. Instead of getting there and be like, right, where's my trailer? Where's my <laughs> what the fuck is this food done? It's not this food here isn't chopped up. It's not it's cold enough, mate. Water is too right. little. You know, you came in right. respectful. So they probably thought we like this guy. Yeah, I I guess I guess you know I I had no clue. I thought trailers. Oh, so that's where we just stay for the entire shoot. That's fantastic. They're like no no, you stay in a hotel and then we yeah. bring you to the trailer for. I had no clue. And so when I think back on it, it's just, it's almost embarrassing, but you know, it's, it's a truly humble. It was a truly yeah. humble experience and just not just being, feeling so lucky to be there that you're working so hard to just not be the weak link in that thing. Cause it's such a big engine, those movies, you know? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I owe that picture to, to everything. But what, what an experience to start with. I mean, I know we did these shorts we just talked about, but your main <laughs> big first film, you know, is one of the biggest films in the last 20 years. Huge yeah. cast, huge budget. The production size is massive. Again, you, I just don't even know how I'd process it. I'd be on set thinking, am I meant to be here? Is someone, is this like a, is someone going to come out and say I've been pranked here or something like this yep. is insane. Yeah, constantly, constantly feeling like I was going to be fired. One yeah. thing I didn't, one thing was, so I got cast and I think I got cast two months leading up yeah. to the picture. And we had the, the, we had agreed on the contract, you know, what you'd be paid and all this other stuff. And they wouldn't bring the contract for me to sign. And my agent's like, oh, it's a very common thing. Like you'll sign it when you get there on, you know, on set. Like they'll bring it to your trailer. I'm like, really? No way. Like, this is just giving them time to yeah. realize that they've made a mistake and fire me. So I remember, like, I literally signed my contract for Hunger Games my first day of filming. Wow. Like, which was the, which, and it happens a lot. Now, obviously, I've worked a lot since then, and it's a very common thing. You know, you get to say, you sign right before. But I was, I remember being so nervous. I was like, oh, my God, they're not sure. They're not certain. Like, they're going to fire me. Like, why would they sign? And then I remember talking to Jack Quaid. <laughs> who's also an amazing actor. He was in the yeah. movie as well and some other people. And they were like, we would always congregate. Have you guys signed yet? I've not signed, I've not signed. Is this normal? Is this a thing? I was like, Jack, your, your father is Dennis Quaid. You should know these things. You know, your mom is, you know, uh, uh, what you would call it? Like, but he was like coolest as well. We were also coolest. Oh my God. But we somehow uh, we're still kicking. So. And then a couple of years later, you were involved in the Terminator franchise, which is amazing. Right. You know, like growing up for me, when you talked about how your dad used to let you watch films that were quite you know, violent, like lethal weapon. Yeah. My dad would let me sit and watch Terminator and Terminator 2. And that 
a 10-year-old kid watching those, your mind just is absolutely blown away by it. You know, seeing yeah. that Terminator 2, that first time you see that violence of the Terminator and T2, you know, it's just, it's absolutely awesome. T-1000, all that sort of stuff. It blew my mind. Absolutely. So to know you got to be involved in Genesis is pretty spectacular for, again, only two years after that you did your main debut in the Hunger Games. Yeah. It's pretty insane for the first four years. Yeah, that was that was also crazy. I mean, I, I, growing up, I was the biggest Arnold Schwarzenegger fan. Oh my yeah. God, we all were. Uh, I, I, Commando was Commando like my is the, one of the best films ever. Dude, I, I would reenact Commando to my whole family. I was a nuisance, and so yeah, when you just seeing Arnold there in person was like, I, I still have these moments till today. You know, Jason, yeah. Jason Clark, who was in that movie with me, we would just sit down and go, "Oh my God, we're in a Terminator movie." Crazy. <laughs> It's it's insane. It's it's truly insane, and and everybody in that picture was so amazing. Amelia Clark, super super sweet, and you know Courtney B. Vance, who played my father, Danny Dyson. I mean, uh, you know the, the Dyson senior, he was great yeah. too. Uh, it's, it's just a great Hollywood legacy picture to be a part of. And Still I'm, can't believe. I've been on set of that, seeing the sort of special effects and the stunts and stuff. Yeah. Again, it must be the best lesson you could ever have. You know, you can talk about going to film school and training, but surely just being on set and seeing these professionals and these actors and these stunt coordinators getting it all right is just amazing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it really is. Those yeah, and and the, the really cool thing is on those pictures, the people in all those departments, they're the best at what they do. Yeah. Every single person. And what I do love is like the bigger the picture and this might sound counterintuitive but the bigger the picture the more willing to give the heads of those departments are you know i remember on hunger games like our dp he would like, come come see how this works like look at this when you turn this this is what this does this is what this filter does and you know this is a short lens this is a long lens this is this you know shallow depth of feet like they were so willing to educate us you know i remember even on hunger games like they gave me permission even the days when i wasn't filming they were like if you want to come to set and just like shadow you can yeah. come shadow the dp i mean so so and i of course i took that up you i'll know, be there so, with pen and paper making notes every five minutes i'm telling you you know <laughs> you know I, I had i remember i had no scenes with donald sutherland and i was like oh my god can i come that was the first time i asked for permission to just come to set just to watch yeah. him and just literally take notes and they were so i mean gary ross was so cool about that he's like absolutely come come sit down give give dio some headsets just listen you know so you can listen and really focus on what he's doing and you know i love filmmakers like that i love people who also take the 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 set as a learning experience it was the same thing on shades of blue with with, with jennifer lopez and ray liotta you know yeah so incredible learning experiences that you know not to discount um acting school or theater yeah. school but you know there's just something about watching you know henry hill from, yeah. from goodfellas do a scene you know what i mean it's 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 priceless it's tremendous it's priceless, yeah. honestly. You know, it's the best. My career has been the best acting school ever, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Woody Harrelson, I just Woody Harrelson was one of those people where was the first time I saw an actor perform and the director forgot to yell cut. Yeah. Because he was just so magnetic. You know, he came in, it was a rehearsal. He came in to do a rehearsal, and Gary Ross was like, We'll just shoot the rehearsal. And Gary forgot to say cut because it was like magic watching it. Oh. It was, uh, yeah, it was just incredible. Watching White Man Can't Jump. And then when I saw him, had a, he had kind of had a renaissance when he came back with True Detective. And I was like, mm -hmm. the comedic side of him playing basketball with Wesley Snipes yeah. in the 90s to then taking on a serious role with Matthew McConaughey. And both roles 
he's up there with these incredible actors delivering yeah. line after line. And now in stuff like yeah. Zombieland, having so much fun. I love, love Zombieland. Guy. Yeah. I love the guy. He's incredible. He's been incredible for yeah. 30 years. Yeah. He's tremendous. He's tremendous. Ah, yeah. You've got the same so it's just been, it's, it's, it's been crazy. And even, listen, I know we're kind of short for time, but like, we probably should talk about the movie we're here to talk about. But even like with, with, with Emperor, like it's same thing. And, and you know, I always like to talk about Emperor from two different points of views, which is the actor, me, Dio, in the film, and then the film itself, Shields yeah. Green and, and the story. Um, to be a little bit selfish, I'm going to talk about the other side of it for a second, which is just oh. the structure of the film. You know, it's Alice in Wonderland, yeah. you know, in terms of Shields kind of, you know, he, there's this inciting incident and he just tumbles down this rabbit hole and he just encounters all these different characters. You know, it's like Alice, you know, it, interacting with the the rabbit and the cheshire cat you know there was something a little bit psychedelic to the, the way i saw the movie in my head and and it's the same thing you know you're doing a scene with michael t williamson you know i remember watching forrest gump all the way back in nigeria and never imagining never yeah. imagining i'd be in this world and michael t shows up on set and i'm like oh my god that's bubba gump from forrest gump <laughs> and i'm doing scenes with him and i'm in, i'm in the scene you know i'm shields and i'm doing my thing but I'm just like in my head going, you know, barbecue, shrimp. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and James Cromwell and Bruce Dern, for God's sakes. And, you know, Harry Lennox and Notori Norton and Cat Graham. I mean, like, I, I that, that was also a spoiler riches type of movie where every day it was like, ooh, who are we yeah. we're working with today? You know, and um, and everybody has such a different process and, and really came ready to play. And and it was such a great film. And, you know, we, we shot it in 2018. And having no idea what was going to happen in 2020 with the state of the world yeah. and the state of America and riots and Black Lives Matter. So, you know, I remember when I was making it, I was like, oh, is the world still ready for these type of narratives? You know, the slave narrative, we've seen this before. And even though our movie was a little bit different, you know, we weren't yeah. going for the torture porn thing. We were going for a, a road picture and a Western. Um, but yeah, when it came out, people just had a pretty insatiable appetite for it and, and wanted to be you know, there was there was clearly the whole thing of like, no, 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 America is not over its traumas. It needs to face this yeah. this ugly past that it has, and we can't move forward until we all agree yeah. that this happened and it was atrocious, and we are still dealing with the traumas of it. So yeah, very proud of it. It can't be ignored, can it at all? Even though people no. cry, it can't be ignored. And I think the last couple of years have shown us that it's still here, just as much as we wish it wasn't. Yeah. Sadly, yes. Sad. Let's go. But I do feel good. I feel that the countries for America and Biden, I don't ever talk politics on the podcast because I like people to mm -hmm. use this podcast as an escapism from politics. But I feel okay. like we're on the verge of going back up again. And it feels a bit more safe Agreed. and better. And I feel like the world's in a better place. Agreed. I agree. I'm, I'm the same way. Look, regardless of what your ideologies are, let freedom reign. Let peace yeah. reign. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, I, I subscribe to the let's just agree to disagree thing. You know, let, yeah. let the adults take the reins. When, when it becomes a screaming match or, it be, you know, where, where people just really shut, close their hearts and, you know, empathy is a foreign language, that's where it just becomes toxic to me. And, and yeah. that, for at least I feel that sense of, okay, things people are at least calming down you can actually yeah. have some sort of a conversation with people you know that's a good feeling you know Definitely. it is regardless of what you believe yeah uh, a lot of people that listen to the podcast and i've asked this to every single guest if it's been a cinematographer an actor a director or a musician but there's a lot of people that will be listening today that will want to be like yourself and get into acting and 
I'm asking what's your advice for those people to try and get into this industry because you know with full respect you had the best start you could ever dream of within a year being in the Hunger Games but for others as much as that's a dream it's not reality so what would you say to those people that are listening that are at film school or wanting to think about getting into acting to kind of help them and get their mind in the right way of thinking to be real about things and become an actor yeah listen i i only know my experience and i kind of know what worked for me and that's what i'm going to say right now which is number one it has to be the only thing you're willing to do with your life truthfully like if there's any other thing you are good at remotely or you know brings you joy you know whether it's a vocation or or a hobby do that you know because this job requires you know a foolish amount of fortitude and thick skin and you will constantly be told no and i i can tell you this early in my career i was like that's fine like this i'm okay with rejection but rejection on an alarming rate does something to your soul it eats you and and i know what that feels like and honestly if there's anything else i i could have done in my life and been happy i would have done that but this is really it for me um and you know i'm call me a masochist but that's step one and then step two is just this was my process practically when I moved out to LA, I did not look for representation. I wasn't going out there looking for, please sign me, please represent me, agent, manager, whoever. No, like what reason do they have if you haven't done anything really of any kind of merit? And I would just advise people to look for work or make things, you know what I mean? Ultimately what got me my manager was they saw something I did. You know what I mean? So I, I didn't do that. I went to film schools, you know, link up with your peers, you know, link up with people who are in film school who are trying to get the thesis movies made and, you know, people who are making things on YouTube or on Instagram or whatever, and just shoot and shoot and gain experience. You know what I'm saying? Learn your craft truthfully. And if you, if you just do that, eventually somebody's going to see something that you're in and then you're going to be able to get in those rooms. Cause ultimately that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to get in audition rooms. Um, so that was my technique. That was my way. I was like, I'm just going to look for work. And out of that work, somebody somewhere is going to eventually give me a shot, you know, and, you know, my shot came earlier and I feel like I was prepared for it at that time because I yeah. just grinded beyond belief. And of course, my, my African parents had given me a timeline. Yeah, <laughs> but that's Seven really, left, son. yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that's really it. You know, just know, know that this is what you really want in your heart. And if it is what you want in your heart and you don't mind doing it for no money, which honestly dude I, I would still do this if i got paid nothing i, I honestly don't let I, I've been gr- hear this. do not let your yeah. agent listen to this episode because he'll be like, oh, <laughs> i want to yeah my agent's like cut it out cut that part yeah. out cut that part out. out but yeah but honestly i, I really would I, I really would you know i've been broken my life i'm not afraid of living yeah. under a bridge I'm, i really am not so um you know if that's how you if you love it like that you know my god keep going and keep going and eventually something will happen for you dreams come true i'm i'm the most trite person you'll ever meet you know i'm disgustingly positive i'm sorry it turns some people off no it's I can't help myself. dude I'm, I'm sitting here interviewing you and this podcast earns no money i'm five years in but i get to <laughs> my most famous people my idols i get to hear stories yeah. like this every day and i do it because i love it i don't you don't earn money it's yeah. a free podcast it goes out for free that's what everyone's expectations are so mm. i do it because i love it and that's why i think people listen because it isn't like adverts and me just trying to sell shit all the way through so if i can keep it and i that's keep it. enjoying it and i'll keep doing it until i stop that's beautiful that truly is beautiful 
The last thing I want to do to make the podcast quite unique is every single outro piece of music is chosen by the guest. If I give you too long to think about it, you'll think, fucking hell, I've got it down to <laughs> 10 minutes. Or you'll wake up at two in the morning and go, why did I not pick this song? So I'm putting you on right. the spot. It can be any band, any artist, any singer, one piece of music by a band or whatever you want that for you sums up you, that can be that perfect piece of music. If you have too long, Honestly, you're going insane. Oh my God, this is tough. This is really, really, really tough. Um, One guest last week for the first time this, in five years yeah. asked me, and I was like, fuck off. Like, this is my moment <laughs> to ask you. I'm never ever right. going to tell you. And I was like, and then I was thinking about it, and I was like, I need about two weeks. <laughs> um, what comes the song, to the heart? What first comes to the head and the soul? What's the song that's... I, I don't know why. This is so random. Okay. But the song that comes to me, I I think it's the Beach Boys, but it's this, it's it's the... Um, uh, what, what, what... Uh, I forget the name of the song, but like... Um, God Only Knows What I'd Be Without You. Dude, that's one of the greatest songs ever. Yeah, Brian, <laughs> literally. Brian Wilson, yeah, God only knows what I'd be without. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking I love that. God only knows what I'd be. I have no idea why that hits my yeah, head. Yeah, great but song. I love that song. And that whole yeah, album so sounds is amazing. So yeah, <laughs> let's go with that. There you go. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. I know you can't tell me anything about why you're in a hotel room night right now, and there's yeah. a film or there's a series that you can't tell me about. But when I do. And I find out what it is. I wish you all the luck with that and everything else that's ahead of you. I think you've got an amazing career ahead. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. And I just want to thank you for your time. Absolutely. No, it's it's a good, there are three projects coming out, man. And, and yeah. honestly, they're, they're, for me, game changers. So I will absolutely be back on the show to talk about them. Yeah. Got to have you back. I'm going to hold you to that because I'm recording this. So I'm going to get back. Yes. That and we'll get you yes, back. Yes, you, got, you, you got the receipts. <laughs> all right, dude. Uh, right. Enjoy the rest of today. Thanks for everything and take care. Absolutely, brother. Take care. Bye. So there it is. There's my interview with me and Dio. So much energy, so much passion, so much enthusiasm from the moment we started talking. And hey, I think I'm like a broken record player saying this, but I want more time with my guests. Me and Dio just started getting into it. The time's up after kind of half an hour, and I felt we could have easily got a couple more hours out of him. But, as you heard at the end of the interview, he's up for coming back and talking about these projects which he was kind of just about hinting at. He's in a hotel filming a big film right now, lots of TV work, some serious big, big releases on the way for him. So I'm hoping to get him back in the near future so we can sit down and talk all about these. I want to say a massive thank you for him for coming on the episode, and obviously I did mention the film Emperor is out now on DVD. And if you follow me on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, I will be giving a copy of this on DVD away over the next few days. If you have loved today's episode, please share it. It costs absolutely nothing to do. Go on Facebook and hit that share button. Go on Twitter and retweet it. Or go on Instagram and put it on your stories. It makes a massive difference and can help a whole new audience find out about Mark and me. If you're really loving the podcast, you can invest in this via Patreon. My page link is on markandme.com and on there it costs little as a pound a month to sponsor me. That money goes right back into the podcast which allows me to go and record more and more interviews, host it on all the different platforms that I can and a way of saying thank you, I've gone out there and thanks to my amazing friends at Vice Press who are the best completely, but who are the best, who easily are the best completely.
Who easily are the best poster keep who easily are the best poster company out there? They've given me some amazing prizes to reward all my amazing Patreons, so check that out. And like I said, at the moment you're getting about eight or nine episodes per month, two episodes a week. So just to give me back that little bit of money really does make a massive difference and help support this podcast. I'll be back in only a couple days more. I'll be back in only a couple days. I'll be back in just a couple of days time with a brand new episode. And next week, I've got an absolutely huge guest and I can't wait to start teasing you in the next few days. So stay tuned for that. So in the meantime, please take care, look after yourself, and I'll be back in a few days time with a brand new episode of the Mark and Me podcast. Take care, everyone. Thank you.